When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Again, everybody, and welcome to the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro, and I'm Chip Minnick. And Chip, we are back, and now you and I are weekly through the end of the Ohio State football schedule in 2023. We have done it. We have outlasted another off season. Uh, it seems uh, the off season always just seems to drag on for forever. And now here's the time where we need to slow time down. Even though I'm anxious for the season to start, mm-hmm. this is where, like, if you blink too quickly the season will go by too fast so here's where we have to try and slow time down yeah it always seems to me like these are the longest few weeks of the season even though you and i are are working uh doing our podcast every week from this point out it's always like it's so close but it always seems like it slows down even more for a few weeks uh, before we actually get to that first game i mean we are technically as we're recording this we are you know, by the time this is uh, uh, available to listen to, this is we're a little over two weeks out. Yeah. So it'll go it, it it'll be here before you know it. All right. Well, I'll I'll take your word for it. Oh, to me, it always <laughs> seems slower. <laughs> it's like it be, and I think it seems slower because I'm always worried that, you know, there's going to be an injury or, you know. Oh, sure. You know, the, the, I agree. This is when camp is like guys are trying to win spots and, and intensity ramps up and that kind of thing. So. Um, but let's start off with some news from camp and we'll start with recruiting news as we record this uh, on the 13th, Sunday, the 13th, just today, four-star wide receiver, Jeremiah McClellan out of Missouri committed to Ohio state for the 2024 class. And yesterday, Saturday, the 12th, uh, a commitment as a preferred walk-on from the number two rated long snapper in the class uh, from some services, Morrow Evans, uh, the 2024 class. Um, a, a, another, uh, a lo- another elite long snapper going, coming to Ohio state. Well, I mean, for all of the people that might be thinking, okay, what's the, what's the big deal? Obviously it, it is a, it is the, it is a preeminent concern to have a quality player at that position. You know, like it's a kind of thing where, you know, with special teams, you know, you never really pay attention to it until something goes wrong. Well, mm-hmm. Having a quality long snapper, uh, you know, a consistent one is something that I'm glad that the Ohio State coaching staff, that Parker Fleming, the special teams coach, uh, put a lot of time and effort into getting Evans to verbally commit for the 2024 recruiting class. Yeah, it's um, well, we're just taking these two guys one at a time. Jeremiah McClellan, uh, it's about time. Brian Hartline actually landed a, a high quality wide receiver for Ohio State, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, what took him so long? I don't uh, know. He's been slacking. Uh, so that's good. It just keeps the pipeline going and the the, the, the skill positions at Ohio State just continue to be uh, ridiculously good in the recruiting and on, on the field. And as far as the long snapper goes, you know, you mentioned it. When things go wrong, that's that's when you notice guys like the long snapper. If you're not getting the ball back quickly, that's how you get kicks and punts blocked. Uh, you want a guy who can get the ball back quickly and accurately, but also who can get downfield and make plays. Exactly. Uh, you know, so, I mean, just to, to put it in a different perspective, this offseason, one of the players that came in via the transfer portal, John Furlman, was the long snapper from Arizona State, who's now an Ohio State Buckeye. Ohio State has Furlman on scholarship. And like you just said, you know, you want to have that that snap coming back quickly, accurately. You want somebody who can hustle down, make plays on special teams on the coverage unit. So you have to you have to anticipate that Evans, as you said, you know, being a preferred walk on, 
that eventually, you know, when Froman uses up his eligibility, like maybe he will, he will get that scholarship. I don't know, but uh, it's definitely good to see that they are taking the time to, to make sure that they have quality players at an important and under undervalued position. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Chip, we want to mention some of the watch lists that have come out. A lot of Buckeyes on the watch list. Um, the Walter Camp watch list came out. Four names on it from Ohio State. Marvin Harrison Jr., not a surprise. Emeka Egbuka, again, pretty pretty uh, common sense to have him on there because if, if he or Marvin, if they both stay healthy, they're both going to put up great numbers. And depending on what happens, one of them could put up bigger numbers than the other. Um, then you've also got Travion Henderson. Again, he's finally healthy, so not uh, a surprise to have him on there. And um, then you've also got Tommy Eichenberg on the Walter Camp Award watch list. Well, that's kind of unusual for, I mean, no disrespect to Tommy Eichenberg. I mean, it's, it's usually, that's, that's usually an offensive position, you know, for the, for the Walter Camp. Um, but I, I'm glad that the people that had assembled those, those watch lists, you know, that they thought that highly of Tommy Eichenberg to include him. Uh, you know, speaking of the wide receivers, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Ibuka, um, you know, great things are anticipated from them for this coming year. I know that we're still not sure who the starting quarterback is. And I'm just, this is just my prediction. Like by this time next week, we probably will know who the starter is. Mm-hmm. That being the case, um, I think, you know, no matter who is the starting quarterback, I'm sure that Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka will be targeted by whoever the starting quarterback for Ohio State. Uh, spoiler alert, it's going to be Kyle McCourt. Well, I have a feeling it's going to turn out that way, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, like like you said, you know, we're recording this on 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 the 13th. Uh, yesterday, Ohio State had a closed scrimmage um, that, you know, the media did not attend. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, not much has has kind of filtered out in terms of all oh, who did who did well and mm-hmm. you know any anything like that. But I would agree with you. I think that Kyle McCord has the upper hand. I do believe that as it relates to this quarterback battle, I I do trust Coach Day when he says that this is a tight battle. I think you know in previous years, let's face it, you know like when there were all right, you know when it was all right, Justin Fields and Gunnar Hoke, okay. Thanks, coach. You know, I appreciate, you know, uh, you know, I know that I, I apologize that that sounds like a slam on Gunnar Hulk, but the reality is everyone was kind of like, okay, this is just a matter of time before, you know, Justin Fields is announced. Um, a couple of years ago with, with CJ Stroud, Jack Miller, everyone thought Stroud had the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Eventually that was the case. I, I genuinely believe that with so much of the offensive line turnover, you know, trying to get some cohesiveness there that, you know, that that they're trying to be as fair to both quarterbacks. And that's why I don't think an announcement has been made as of yet. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, you you look at these guys battling it out. It's it's probably not a huge gap between the two. I mean, um, but Kyle McCord's been around a little bit longer. It, it, uh, it seems like he's been the next in line a little bit longer. So I think it almost has to be his job to lose. I don't, I don't, you, you, y'all also don't make that announcement because you want to push these guys. You want to push them to be better. And if there's not a big gap, you're, you're trying to a push Kyle McCord say, Hey, you haven't won anything yet, but you also want to push, uh, you know, back up your backup as well, because you want him to, to, you know, to, to really put the pressure on that starter. So I think we'll see one soon. Um, Tommy Eichenberg, is also on the Butkus Award uh, watch list, along with Steel Chambers. In uh, the Thorpe Award watch list came out Denzel Burke and Lathan Ransom on that from Ohio State. And then the uh, the Doak Walker Award, Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams are preseason watch list uh, uh, guys from Ohio State there. And also, it's, it's interesting, too, because Ohio State's running back room is so loaded that you don't even think about the fact that you know some of these guys have been a little banged up over their careers, you could see, you could see Chip Trey in them or uh, or Dallin Hayden, you know, get into that conversation if if the right conditions existed. So, um, you know, I guess anybody that's playing prominent uh, running back minutes at Ohio State, they're going to be on that Doak Walker list. 
Oh, certainly. I, you know, just for what it's worth, you know, this time of year um, with the Big Ten Network, they're showing, you know, they're, they're going to the different training camps. So, so the other day they were at Ohio State. And of course, they had a lot of Ohio State oriented programming throughout the day. And, you know, speaking of Travion Henderson, they they showed the 2022 Ohio State at Penn State game. And, and it was great to see Travion Henderson with you know, that explosive burst down the sideline for a, a decisive touchdown. So, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think the fact that, you know, they they both battled injuries, but I think that they are both well-deserving of being on that watch list because of the offensive prowess that I think the Ohio State offense will be expected to have for this coming season. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some black stripe removals, Chip. Uh, there's been four over just the last couple of days. Uh, on August 10th, uh, center Victor Cutler Jr. and offensive tackle Jimmy Simmons got their black stripes removed. And then on the 12th, Saturday the 12th, uh, offensive tackle Luke Montgomery and defensive tackle Taiwan Malone got theirs uh, removed. So they are official Buckeyes. They are. And, I mean, it's not surprising to me about um, when it comes to the offensive line um, you know, three of the four uh, that, you know, in terms of the black stripe removals um, are offensive linemen, because let's face it. I mean, we, we knew going into this season, this was probably the position group that it was going to be under the most, uh, the most scrutiny uh, deservedly. So when you, you know, you're trying to replace the center as well as both starting tackles, lo and behold, Jimmy Simmons, offensive tackle, Vic Cutler, who's battling for the starting center position. Luke Montgomery is a true freshman, but according to Coach Day, has really made strides to probably be in the two deep at one of the offensive tackle positions. So, I think that that bodes well for their development and the and at least you know I think as I said I think they're trying to come up with some cohesiveness a- across that offensive line uh, before the season opener gets here. There's been some rumblings that Jimmy Simmons looking so good he may start at left tackle. I had suspected that that was a possibility back in the spring when he came as as uh, via the transfer portal. I it was just again not having seen. I, uh, to be fair, I have not seen. You know, Jimmy, don't call me Josh Simmons. I I, I joke, uh, but um, I had never seen him play at San Diego State. But the fact that you know left tackle is such a, a Every position on the offensive line is is so important, but left tackle, especially in the fact that he had starting experience, granted, at right tackle, um, and the fact that I thought that Josh Fryer, not that he looked bad in the spring game, but I kind of always thought, you know, like, I think right tackle might be more of his natural position. So I'm glad to see that Coach Fry and Mike Seleni, who's the graduate assistant, who's also heavily involved in coaching offensive line, that they are not just okay, well, we're going to just do what we've always done and and throw Josh Fryer out there. I think by kind of mixing and matching, um, you know, Simmons at at left tackle and putting Fryer at right to see, all right, are they better fit at, at those positions on the line? I think that that bodes well for the offensive line. Let's hope so, because that is the biggest question mark, really, on that offensive side of the ball and maybe on the entire team heading into the 2023 season. But uh, congrats to... Those four young men for getting those black stripes off their helmets. And of course, they're not the first four. There were several in the spring. So uh, they've joined uh, that group that can call themselves Buckeyes at last. And uh, another thing that we really need to talk about, and, and not that we want to, but another significant injury for Omari Abor, sidelined at least a couple of months after undergoing a surgical procedure, was injured last year as well. That's... That's tough. Uh, this is a team that hasn't been getting tons of production out of its uh, edge rusher, edge rushers the last couple of seasons um, for various reasons. But um, you know, this was a an opportunity for um, Amari to get on the field this year. Yeah, it is unfortunate. I mean, the the details surrounding the injury have not been disclosed, and I think that's that's fair. Uh, you know, out of privacy concerns uh, for Amari Abor. Like you said, you know, he he missed, you know, last year because of due to injury, was redshirted, was expected to be in that defensive end rotation. 
So all Coach Day said is that he would miss significant time and for the next couple months. So we can only hope that his rehabilitation will go quickly and smoothly and that he will be back in action for Ohio State at some point before the conclusion of the regular season. So, you know, considering it's the middle of August, let's hope that, you know, maybe sometime middle of October before November, you know, that that Omari Abor gets to come out and, and contribute for the Ohio State defense. Yeah, heal quickly, Omari. We would uh, would like to see you getting some reps. All right, uh, big news. We had no shortage of it since our last show, Chip. And uh, <laughs> we'll get to uh, one of those items now. We'll get to another one after the break. But uh, let's start with Gene Smith uh, retiring next year, 2024. Um, what do you make of Gene Smith calling it a career and you know, what are we, what are we thinking is going to take place in the Woody to, uh, you know, to, you know, find somebody to replace somebody that's done a, a really good job for Ohio state. Well, I, I congratulate Gene Smith on an outstanding career. I'm glad that he, the way that he kind of phrased it and what I have seen from interviews and, and in print that he said, you know, that it's, it's time that he basically kind of, you know, that you, you will know when it's time. One of his mentors uh, had told him that. And I guess it seems like he's at that stage in his life. He and his wife um, have grandchildren that he would love to be able to spend more time with. I think, you know, the opportunity to do the things that they want to do while they're, while they're healthy and able to do them. I think that's, I think that's fantastic. Um, and I think the way that he phrased it is that everything is kind of going in the right direction, that there, it's, it's probably like now is as good a time as any to make the transition. Unfortunately for Ohio State, the fact that they are still trying to fill the position of the university president, that that's going to naturally take um, higher precedence in terms of what's going to, what's going to happen first. And then mm -hmm. the athletic director position will be filled. Another good thing for Ohio state, not that I want to go around rating other schools from their athletic director, you know, their athletic director positions, but Gene Smith did a solid job of cultivating and developing young talent, uh, mm -hmm. you know, within the athletic department. And there are, there are a number of individuals who've already been listed as probable candidates um, around the country that, you know, more than likely Ohio State will be reaching out to when the time comes. Heard the name Pat Chun at Washington State bandied about a little bit. Yes, um, he's uh, he. Yeah, he's uh, I, I apologize for cutting off. He um, Ohio State graduate. Um native of Strongsville, Ohio. So for those of you that are wondering where Strongsville, it's kind of up in my neck of the woods. Sure. Uh, is, and, and he, um, like you said, you know, he has been at Washington state, you know, prior to being at Washington state, he was at Florida Atlantic. Uh, so he's he definitely has uh, the experience. It's not as though that, you know, like kind of like Gene Smith, you know, Gene Smith had been an athletic director at Eastern Michigan, Iowa state, Arizona state, before coming to Ohio State. And I think that's I think that's kind of the blueprint you want. You want somebody who this is not going to be, you know, their their first job. Like the you mm -hmm. want somebody who has is is well experienced and Pat Chun definitely fits that bill. Right. And somebody that's worked their way up from a smaller school to an you know a higher level school and uh has, has an upward trajectory is uh is good always good to have somebody like that as your uh you know, you're searching for that replacement and, and Gene Smith is, uh, you know, he's done a lot of great things for Ohio state. There's some things that of course I would like him to maybe not be quite as diplomatic over the years, you know, with, with terms in terms of like, it, it always seems like big 10 schools sometimes don't, um, well, they, they don't necessarily always try to put themselves forward. They, they, they sometimes, I think, hold themselves back relative to play, like the SEC, for example. I mean, those guys are all out there stumping and pol you know, politicking, and you never really see that much out of the Big Ten guys. And I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with at least making as much noise as the Alabamas and the Georgias and the LSUs to get your name out there. I agree. I, I also think 
in a different interview with with Gene Smith, he kind of made references to that indirectly. He said about how it's been always this kind of, I, for lack of a better word, balancing act of, well, what's best for Ohio State and what's best for the Big Ten mm-hmm. and trying to make sure that the appropriate balance was was always contemplated case the the example was you know for example this upcoming season the Ohio State Michigan State game on November 11th it's a night game well Ohio State didn't want to play that game at night mm-hmm. uh, that kind of goes against that that policy of, of night games in November but the Big 10 and as well as their broadcast partners really really wanted a night game Ohio State said okay we will do it this year on behalf of the Big Ten, uh, you know, kind of, you know, basically, you know, it's like we would prefer not to, but we recognize the importance of that with our new t- broadcast partners. So I agree with you. I think Ohio State sometimes, you know, probably has kind of held themselves in check. Um, would like to see them throw their their weight around a little bit more. Who knows? Maybe the, the next athletic director will maybe they'll have that as part of their personality. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Well, Chip, we got a lot more to get to. In this show, we've got, uh, of course, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the new additions to the conference that are coming soon, uh, joining USC and UCLA coming into the league from uh, out west. We've also got a little bit of Jim Harbaugh discussion to come. Always fun. And uh, our Big Ten West Conf- or West Division uh, uh, predictions. Uh, we do it every year. And last year, it was one of those things where it seemed like no one wanted to win the West. I think this year, maybe it's it, there, there might be some more clear-cut favorites than last year. And uh, we got to get to that a little bit later in the show. But first, before we do that, why don't we uh, take a quick break and come back and uh, we'll get to all of those topics. Sounds good. And we're back, Chip. And why don't we talk a little bit about Big Ten and college football uh, expansion as Washington and Oregon are going to join USC and UCLA in joining the Big Ten from the Pac-12. The Pac-12 falling apart and losing teams. And it's, to me, this, everybody's talking about it's, greed related and certainly money is on the table but for me i think this illustrates what a colossal failure the pac-12 network was oh absolutely uh i'm not sure how much you have read or our, our listeners have read about this but some of the different articles that have come out in the aftermath just the i'm just going to say the just sheer incompetence of the the Pac-12 overall, and and so like you you referenced the Pac-12 network, um, but that this includes their athletic directors, and I'm going to use that plural um, because they had their hands in it, uh, or maybe you know like they they completely took their hands off the <laughs> off the steering wheel or something. Um, the athletic directors, the uh, the university presidents. I mean, it's there's no shortage of viable culprits um, who have led to the, the Pac-12. You know, let's let's call it mo- a little bit more the Pac-4. Uh, their their current predicament because they had opportunities to always improve their situation, and at every opportunity they neglected to take what what could have been sustaining positions that would have would have helped their conference. So the Big Ten will be up to 18 teams. Should it have grabbed two more and gone to 20? I'm happy with the 18. I, I mean, I that's just that's just me. I think um the, the rumor was, and I guess it was further clarified that um there was some discussion about Cal and Stanford to to make it an even 20. And that I guess again. You could say what you will about the undue influence of the broadcast partners, but there was no interest, you know, from the additional broadcast partners. And that would mean, all right, if you wanted to bring those two member institutions in, that means less money for everybody. Mm-hmm. And 
everyone else said, okay, we're sorry, Stanford and Cal, but okay, we're going to, we're going to stick with what we've got. Um, I think eventually it will grow, but from, for what it's worth, I think right now, I think staying at 18, keeping an eye on what's going on around the country. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the ACC is, is not looking too, too good. Um, I don't know what's going to happen there. Cause that grant of rights doesn't expire until 2035. So, or 2036, I might have my year wrong, but we'll see. Um, I think the big 10 obviously is keeping their eyes and ears open for what's next. Yeah. And then when I, but I mentioned that should they have grabbed two more, not necessarily from the PAC 12, but certainly from the ACC, there's been discussions and rumblings and rumors of North Carolina and Virginia as potentially uh, a couple of teams that could be interested in, in joining the big 10. But um you know, for me, it would it definitely would have made sense to get two more Western teams because then you can have if you got 20 teams, you can have two 10 team divisions and then you could still have a big 10 championship game and you can limit that travel. That seems to be uh, I mean, it doesn't just seem to be something that is on people's minds. It's it's actually a, a big factor when you consider the the non revenue generating sports. Um, it would certainly allow those teams to travel less, like the same amount as they do currently. And yet you're still part of that something. You're still able to have, you know, a couple of crossover games and, and, and do some traveling and see other parts of the country and play some of the best teams in the country within your own division and, and within your own conference, I should say. And then, you know, maybe play, you know, I mean, who wouldn't want to see an Ohio state USC big 10 title game in Indianapolis or somewhere else. And, and um, I, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, Again, I think it's it's one of these things where the Big Ten. I mean, it you you mentioned this earlier about you know a lot of news has has taken you know a lot of things have taken place since the last time we recorded. I remember one of the questions you asked me because we were talking about Big Ten Media Days at the end of July. You mm-hmm. know, kind of anticipating. Well, what are some of the things you're going to be listening for and looking out for? And I remember watching. Um, uh, the the commissioner of the Big Ten, Tony Petiti, being asked is expansion. For, you know, I can't remember precisely how the question was phrased, but is is that something that is, you know, a, a high level concern or something along those lines? And no, not this moment. And not even ten days later, the I mean, all of a sudden, all right, hello and welcome, Oregon and Washington. Um, so I mean, just the how how quickly and rapidly everything moved. As it related to you know Colorado going back to the Big Twelve, um, Oregon and Washington saying that they wanted to be in the Big Ten, the Big Ten taking them, and then the Arizona schools as well as Utah leaving. I mean, it, everything. It was just kind of a, a dizzying pace to say the least. Yeah, I mean that was the 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 way I took it too is that I was it was it happened in a very busy time for me, so I I kind of didn't. It, it, things were moving so fast. I couldn't keep up with them. I just knew Oregon and Washington were coming to the big 10. Uh, there were, there was talk about the, you know, the big 12 poaching some teams. Is that where it started? Did it start with Arizona schools and and move from there? How, how did, what was the first domino that fell? Was it Colorado? Yes. Colorado was the first domino to fall. Uh, and it, it, it kind of, I mean, it, it's such a, it's such a saga, but basically George Kliakoff, the, um, the Pac-12 commissioner proposed the the new media rights where it was, you know, via Apple TV. So it was all based upon, you know, on, on subscriptions to Mm -hmm. a, to a streaming service. So that was all in essence, that's all was all it took for Colorado to say, okay, I need something more substantial because yes, we could, we could make money, but uh, you know, we are completely and entirely dependent upon subscriptions to this service to make money. Colorado had been looking to get out. So that was the first one to fall. That kind of triggered Arizona to be saying, hey, to the Big 12, to the Big 12, you know, we're we're highly interested. Arizona State was a little bit more reluctant, but they they wanted to do whatever Arizona wanted. And Oregon and Washington I think made no secret of the fact that they wanted to join the big 10, uh, you know, getting back to this whole Apple TV subscription service, 
I, I'm, I might have it wrong, but I, th I think it was the, the president of Arizona said something like it. It's kind of almost like when you're trying to sell, you know, candy bars or Girl Scout cookies, you know, to try and, you know, like raise money, mm -hmm. um, you know, like it, they, they couldn't they couldn't work that way. And I know it sounds it sounds unfortunate and it sounds like for those people that say, oh, that's that's greed. The reality is like they they needed to go to something that had stability and the Big Ten offers that. and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of travel involved, and I understand about how the the non-revenue sports, how they're going to be impacted, but I have confidence and faith in not only the existing Big Ten athletic directors, but also the, the athletic directors coming on from the new member institutions to do what is best and to try and be as accommodating as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, from I've seen outsiders talk about how it's uh, it's all SEC and Big Ten. And that's those are those those are the schools that have the opportunity to get in the in the in the Big Ten or in the national championship uh, picture. And then it's it's greedy because of that. But I don't think that's the case. I think for me, it, it always seemed like the teams that have gone out and taken care of their TV deals the best. Those are the leagues that have done that. Those are the leagues that are prospering from this and the leagues that have been behind uh have struggled i mean look at the the, the all you got to do is look at the longhorn you know tv and and the pac12 network those are, were i mean those were those have been punchlines on social media for years nobody knows how to get them where to find them <laughs> and uh you know clearly uh when you have that kind of setup you're not going to be as lucrative if you're not as lucrative you're not going to be paying your member schools as much so yeah there might be greed on on that side. Maybe you can make that case, but it, I mean, you're not going to take a job. Um, you're not going to keep a job making fifty thousand dollars if you can make the same. You know, if you can do the same job and make seventy five thousand dollars, right? Exactly. And you know, one of the storylines that came out from I, I want to say his name is John Canzano, who is you know one of the very well respected writer associated with Oregon. Um, you know, again, you know, like there's there's no shortage of people that were involved in, you know, kind of where, you know, like things winding up to where they are presently. But I guess ESPN came to the Pac-12 about a year ago saying, well, we will offer you, let's just say like $30 million. And the Pac-12 presidents and powers that be kind of huddled and said, well, we want 50 million and not 30. We want 50. And ESPN said goodbye, and that was that was that's that's a sign of just the the lack of, uh, I mean, just the lack of recognition of where you are. I mean, people that are critical of the Big Twelve for for being proactive and aggressive, like you said, they they actually their their TV deal was not even done, and they made they took proactive steps to leapfrog in front of the Pac-12 to begin negotiations with. ESPN with Fox, and they have that thirty million dollars that the Pac-12 very arrogantly turned down. So, mm -hmm. you know, it just kind of goes to show, like you said, you have to be, you have to always kind of keep your eyes and ears open and get a better understanding as to what the marketplace is looking like. Chip, will there be hashtag Big Ten after dark? It, I, it, it would not surprise me with <laughs> with four teams on. Four teams on the West Coast. It would not surprise me. It is also the kind of thing where um, I think the possibility of the streaming networks um, right now, you know, like Ohio State and the Big um, the Big Ten have a uh, an existing arrangement with Peacock. Um, who's to say that you know another streaming service? you know, wants to, wants to jump in and, and possibly take advantage of, let's face it, you know, like the, the, the four best, four best member institutions of the PAC 12 are now big 10 schools. And what do we know at this time, if anything, about protecting the Apple cup and the Oregon, Oregon state rivalry? The best I can tell you is that both Oregon and Washington publicly are saying that they want to maintain those games, those rivalries, the powers that be at Oregon State, Washington State are obviously very, very hurt, very, very frustrated at mm -hmm. the turn of events. Um, so hopefully, 
cooler heads will prevail that, that those games maybe not take place at the end of the season like they historically have done, but hopefully that they will continue in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I hope so. Those are always uh, some of the funnest, most fun rivalries in the game. So uh, I'd love to at least keep the Apple Cup. Um, that's always a fun one. So anyway, uh, welcome <laughs> Ducks and and welcome Huskies. Exactly. All right. Let's talk about Jim Harbaugh a little, Chip. Um, this is a guy who got his hand slapped, was going to miss the first four games of the upcoming season. But the agreement that was put into place was never agreed to by the disciplinary committee. I mean, it's uh, or the committee on infractions. And now, for whatever reason, they can't make a decision before 2024. So go ahead and break your rules, Jim, and then uh, go through the season and then jump to the NFL, I guess. That's kind of what the, the, I mean, that's kind of what the rumblings are on social media. I'm still kind of unsure as to why the, the four game suspension wasn't upheld. I mean, it was kind of, you know, like, you know, we, I referenced the, the big 10 media days and, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh said that he couldn't really comment on it at that time. And people kind of respected that because that's basically, it's like, it was suspected that that was going to be the punishment, mm-hmm. but it hadn't been formally announced. And then the next thing you know, you know, kind of as we're recording this, it's like, okay, well, the four game suspension is not going to take place. And it's just very, very, very confusing and very vague. Yeah. It's bizarre that you <laughs> were hearing this just before the season starts, that, that the reason that this isn't being upheld is because it wasn't agreed to. Well, it can't somebody just start a zoom call. <laughs> you can't you guys get together and, and make a ruling. Yes, this is good or no, it's not good. I don't, like I said, I mean, it's just very, very confusing as, as to what took place or what has not taken place. Yeah. Very strange. But as we have learned over the years, anything having to do with Jim Harbaugh is nothing, if not strange. Exactly. I mean, exactly. if he's not sleeping over a kid's house or climbing a tree <laughs> or taking his shirt off, uh, he's got a suspension that's not taking place. So I, I don't know what's going on, but maybe we'll hear about more about that in the coming weeks. I just don't understand why um, it seems like a punishment for infractions is something that should be able to, you know, you should be able to do an investigation and, and come up with a punishment that fits the crime. I mean, I don't remember them uh, really waffling too long on the tat gate. No, they did not. And which but again, yeah, a, which wouldn't even be in an infraction anymore. They no, wouldn't even I mean, need to do that. Exactly. So, <sighs> all right, frustration. Well, whatever. Uh, anyway, let us turn our attention to our Big Ten West predictions. Chip, we we didn't do great on this last year. I think we we picked the bottom feeder pretty well. I think we're both going to have the same bottom feeder again this year. So I guess I'll start us off there as I'll throw it out that, uh, you know, you've got seven teams in the West and I got Northwestern at the bottom of those seven teams. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, when it comes to, you know, the Northwestern before everything happened, um, it was the kind of thing where, I would have I would have predicted Northwestern to be the last place team in the Big Ten West. The events of the offseason have certainly not improved their situation. So um, I completely agree with you. I think David Braun uh, is walking into a very difficult situation. I can't imagine them being able to uh, improve. I mean, they haven't they haven't won a game in the United States Uh in a, in a little while, in like, well, more, more than a year. Mm-hmm. So that's basically, you know, I think Northwestern will be in the, in the, in the basement of the big 10 West for sure. They have depth problems. They have some, some talent deficits. They weren't good last year. They've lost the guy that made them that they at least worked hard and played hard for, uh, in Pat Fitzgerald. So yeah, I, I don't see them taking any meaningful steps forward this year. You know, they're they're going to play with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, but I'm not sure how much difference it'll make. 
they, I mean, David Braun was coming in to fix the defense and he's still going to maintain that responsibility. I mean, they brought in Skip Holtz um, to be kind of like a special advisor because Skip Holtz has, you know, extensive head coaching experience, uh, you know, kind of serve as that advisor for David Braun. But let's face it, I mean, offensively, Northwestern has struggled the last few years. Um, defensively, they they fell completely off off the the map. Uh, you know, like that was kind of their calling card during you know when they when they were competing for for the Big Ten championship. So I don't see I don't see how <laughs> having all of these multiple lawsuits and the the players that are unhappy and um, you know the administration and the players are com- on completely different on completely different terms. I, I think it's just going to be a very long year in Evanston. Yeah. All right, Chip, who do you got at number six? Okay. Um, this might be a divergence from you, but I'm going to go with Purdue um, at six um, simply because, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad transition, but it's going to be a transition. And that, and that is, you know, going to Ryan Walters, who's a more of a defensive-oriented coach. Um, the fact that Purdue had offensive turnover, like they're going to have a brand-new quarterback. More than likely, it's going to be uh, Texas transfer Hudson Card. Um, I think Purdue will be decent, but I, I still have them in that number six spot. Well, it's not a divergence because I also have Purdue in that six spot. Uh, so I'm, I'm right there with you. I think they'll... They'll take a little bit of a step backwards. I think some of the other teams in the West will take a step forward. And I think that leaves Purdue uh, on the outside looking in. Um, maybe a little bit of a down year for them compared to what we've seen in recent years. Yep. All right, number five. This is where we start to get into the interesting middle part of the West. Who do you got at five? I'm going to go with Nebraska. Um, I think Matt Rule uh, coming in. Uh, He's done it before at, at you know, he, at Temple. He did it at Baylor. Um, I'm sure his critics will be sure to point out about how it didn't go well in the NFL. But that I think that was just more, you know, there there are many many at the college coach that has tried to go to the NFL and it has not worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting back to to Matt Rule, I think he's bringing. He seems to have embraced the uh the culture and the tradition at nebraska even though he's you know he didn't play there and didn't go to you know go to school there um the fact that they're going to be coming in i think they've got renewed enthusiasm i think nebraska players are tired of being embarrassed um and here's kind of the the thing that i think is kind of the unique twist is that i guess defensively nebraska is going to be running a 3-3-5 which is a very unique defensive formation so the fact that you're talking the first part of the year you're not going to have any film really to to kind of scrutinize and judge i think nebraska might be able to to get some surprises in yeah i like nebraska to improve this year and i think that eventually matt rule will get them back to a respectable level Uh, i don't think it'll happen overnight though i think they'll take some small steps forward this year uh, on the way to improving the program overall in the next couple of years to come. But I think the first step happens this year. And I also have them in that five spot, which means I'm pretty sure we probably have the same number four. Who you got? Okay. Well, number four, I'm going to go with Illinois. Um, I have Illinois there. Um, obviously, you know, Brett Bielema did a very good job last year, you know, like in the in the season that it seemed like nobody wanted to win the Big Ten West, I really thought Illinois might might be able to do it. Um, but he, you know, did it. I think a really good job with a lot of the players that took advantage of that extra COVID year that they were, you know, that that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's obviously lost Ryan Walters off of his staff to Purdue as the head coach. Um, I think he's bringing in his style of play. You know, physical defense. You know, s- strong running game. Um, but I think there's been enough turnover there that I think, you know, I don't think that they're going to be in the, you know, in the contention to win the Big Ten West this year. Yeah, and I think they may have a, a better quarterback uh, situation this year. They have uh, a pretty favorable schedule. Their road games are Iowa, Maryland, Purdue, and Minnesota. 
Um, they also have a, an out-of-conference uh, road game at Kansas. So I think they have a pretty favorable schedule, um, and, and I like them in this spot. In fact, I almost took them one spot higher. So I think Brett Bielema's got these guys in the right direction, and and they're they're sort of adopting that Wisconsin mindset that you know that they that the Badgers had under Bielema up there. I agree. I think you know Bielema definitely. I remember when when the hire was made, I was skeptical, but so far he has certainly proven to have have been a really solid choice by Illinois. And I, and personally, I'm I'm happy to see Illinois getting back to being you know one of the the better teams within the conference. Yeah, even though there's no, uh, it's not going to be any uh, Illibuck game unless it's in the uh, the Big Ten championship game. We'll see. We'll see. All right, number three. We're now in our top three in the Big Ten West, and we have been the same every single one so far. Who you got at three, Chip? I think we're going to stay consistent. I'm going with Minnesota here. Uh, P.J. Fleck, you know, speaking of kind of developing, you know, a certain style, you know, his his teams um, have become, you know, very, you know, consistent. Um, for the first time in six years, they're going to have a, a different quarterback. Um, but I think P.J. Fleck, they um, have established themselves as one of the better teams in the Big Ten West. Um, we'll see if if they can if they can you know make a move into that upper echelon. But I think you know number three seems right for PJ Flack and the Golden Gophers. We are still uh, exactly the same. I've got Minnesota here as well. Uh, they have to play at Ohio State this year. They have to play they play Wisconsin at home. They play Illinois at home. They play Michigan also at home. They go to Iowa. This is an opportunity for Minnesota to uh, Minnesota could steal one of those games. They might actually be able to, to win the West, but I think I don't quite see enough there from Minnesota. I think they'll be competitive, but I still think uh, they're probably going to lose. I mean, I, I think maybe it's a seven and five team, maybe eight and four. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see him as a bowl team. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing is is that I think Fleck has them. You know, he he, you know, it. Okay, we you know we were just talking about Nebraska previously. You know, that's that's going to be the opener for both. You know, Minnesota and Nebraska is you know that that Thursday night. Um, that's going to be something to see. You know, like how much has Nebraska improved? Is Minnesota ready to take that next step? Um, but yeah, I, I definitely see Minnesota as a bull team. I'm just not sure how high uh, PJ Fleck can get them this year. Yeah. All right, Chip. Two teams left to pick. Number two and number one. Are we going to have seven spots the same, or are we going to have six spots the same? Who do you have at number two in the West? My suspicion is that here's where we're going to diverge, and I'm going with Wisconsin second. Um, I've mentioned this previously is my immense respect for Luke Fickle. I have no doubt uh, that he is going to do a tremendous job there. I think Wisconsin, um, they have a lot of, if not the the same coaching staff, they have a lot of talent returning on defense, which is Luke Fickle's area of expertise. My reasoning, I'm not saying it's, it's great. I mentioned this on a previous podcast and I even wrote an article about it for land grant Holy land. My reasoning for Wisconsin not being my my pick to win the Big Ten West this year is I think trying to incorporate more of a passing style offense, I think is going to be more of a challenge than I think most people realize. I think eventually I think it'll work, but I just I think overall this year one, trying to get those big lumbering offensive linemen who are not familiar with pass protection to be effective at it. I think it might be a little more challenging than a lot of fans realize. I agree with you. And I also have Wisconsin at number two. Okay. All right. We are, we are seven for seven, the same down the line. Okay. okay. I think that, uh, I think the exact same thing that you pointed out, I think this is a, a team that will turn it around under Luke fickle, but I think it's going to take a little bit of time. I think they'll get off to a, a maybe a little bit of a slow start, but I think they'll eventually get things going. Like, as you mentioned, when you, when you change things up this much, it can be uh, it can be a lot. It, it's a lot to to get changed. And if you 
if you're going to make big changes, that doesn't normally happen overnight. You you watch even like, uh, you know, other programs when other programs have tried to tried to adopt a different style of offense. Um, famously, uh, when Georgia Tech uh, decided to go triple option a few years back, it doesn't always uh, doesn't always start well, uh, but it can it can get there eventually. And I think that's the case. But Luke Fickle's a good coach, and I think he'll get them certainly head in the right direction this year. And I think the West has enough. Um, let's just say imperfect teams, enough imperfect teams that I think that they can compete for the, uh, the top spot in the West, just because they're in the West. I agree. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, probably the, you know, like the, the date to circle if, you know, regardless of, you know, since we're going to be talking about our favorite here in a moment, um, October 14th, you know, that, that is what I consider to be, you know, the game that's going to determine the big 10 West, uh, or at least maybe not necessarily on that date, but you know, whoever wins that game should be in the driver's seat, I think for the remainder of the season, because let's face it, you know, like you, you, uh, surprised me, um, pleasantly with, with picking Wisconsin. I really thought that you were going to pick Iowa second, but, um, I do think, you know, even though I was going on the road to Wisconsin, I think they have a very good shot at beating Wisconsin in Camp Randall. Um, and I think that's going to be the game that will kind of, like I said a moment ago, is going to be the kind of almost like de facto Big Ten West elimination game. Yeah, that, that's the thing for me is we, we obviously both have Iowa winning the West this year, but Iowa's got to do something better offensively or they're not going to win the West this year. They absolutely, I expect a reaction from that team offensively to what they went through last year. But I mean, is it going to happen? I don't know. Wisconsin has a pretty favorable schedule. They, they do play Ohio state. They go to Purdue. They go to Indiana. They go to Minnesota. That Minnesota game might be tough for Wisconsin. That's a rivalry game. Uh, and then they got a couple of non-conference road games, Georgia, Southern Washington state, uh, and they're at Illinois. So they've, they've got, um, Nebraska at home, Northwestern Rutgers. Those should all be wins. I think their schedule sets up pretty nicely for them that if they don't lose games that they shouldn't lose, they should finish at least second in the West. And one thing to point out about that Ohio state game, it's not official. Uh, it's, it's just purely, you know, social media rumor. Um, but I do believe that Wisconsin Ohio state game on October 28th is going to be a night game, um, on NBC. So, um, we both know, you know, how, you know, how loud <laughs> the Wisconsin fans can get, uh, during a game, let alone like when they've had all day to, to kind of get themselves ready. Um, you know, so I think that's going to be a big challenge for Ohio state. I have no doubt that Luke fickle is going to want to pull out all the stops to, to beat his alma mater. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and I do, I think with, I think Wisconsin eventually, you know, with Luke Fickle, his vision for what Wisconsin, um, what he wants them to be offensively will be fine. But I just think, you know, the, the melding of, you know, with Phil Longo as, as the offensive coordinator, who is an air raid disciple going to, going to, you know, something that's 30 plus years, well-established, you know, and, and I'm not mocking, um, the Wisconsin offensive line. I mean, it's, it, it's, you know, the, the quality, you know, has, has been there through the years is that to try and get that kind of, all right, passing style down, even in an off season, I I'm just not sure how effective it's going to be. That's why I, again, I'm, I'm pleased that you, that you agree with me. I, I just really, you know, that to me, my rationale is just because I think the transition year is going to be bigger than most people think. Yeah. Same, same here. That, that in the, you know, we, we got to talk about Iowa now. Iowa, we think, is going to win the West. But again, we talked about how terrible that offense was last year. And if it hadn't been for special teams and defense, Iowa would have been would have been in trouble. They would have been near the bottom of their conf or their division. So so how is how is uh, Kirk Ferentz going to be able to change that offense? He hasn't replaced his offensive coordinator who would <laughs> which is his son. Uh, exactly. How's that going to happen? Well, that's, I mean, you very, very good points. I mean, the fact that Brian Ferentz is still on the staff is, is definitely, you know, eyebrow raising. 
Um, I will tell you that, I mean, just, I, I realized that I was just talking about, uh, you know, Wisconsin. Um, I was hesitant to pick Iowa definitively until I saw that Cade McNamara, um, who is the Michigan quarterback who transferred in this off season, I guess he had sustained an injury, but it was not anything, you know, I guess it, it's more, you know, of a, of a muscle variety. It's not like a broken bone or anything. Um, but that's, there's kind of a, a number, you know, one person that is, is probably tasked with beyond Brian Ferentz to get the offense going, to have effective quarterback play from Cade McNamara. You know that, you know, offensively, Iowa always does well with their offensive line. They have two quality tight ends and Luke Lachey and, uh, Eric all, who's another Michigan, uh, transfer portal guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, Caleb Brown, wide receiver from Ohio State, came in the offseason. So I think um, among many other players, I think, you know, Cade McNamara definitely stands head and shoulders above anyone else in terms of who is being tasked with getting Iowa's offense to be somewhat capable uh, because, let's face it, I mean, the, the defense, you know that they'll show up ready to play and be be tough. Special teams will be good. Um I think it's a, if they can get a somewhat competent offense, that's why I think Iowa, they should probably win the Big Ten West. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be improved because of the skill positions being better. They'll run the football well. Uh, they'll throw to the tight ends well. That's what they always do well. Um, and it'll be really just a, mat- a matter of keeping drives alive with converting third downs. You need a good quarterback. You need better receivers uh, to do that. So they seem to be on the right track whether or not Brian Ferentz will call an eight yard route on, uh, you know, third and 10, I don't know, but you know, well, he's been, he's been known to, to call them shorter than they need to be. So we'll have to see how, uh, how that goes. Um, but you look at Iowa's schedule and they've got, uh, you know, Utah state, Iowa state and Western Michigan in the non-conference schedule. They have to play Michigan state, Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota, Northwestern Rutgers, uh, all of those are at home. They've got Penn state on the road, Wisconsin on the road, Nebraska on the road. And I mean, I would think that there's not that many unwinnable games on their schedule. I definitely don't see them beating Penn state on the road, but, uh, other than that, there's, their schedule seems to be set up pretty nicely for them. It does. And you know, and the fact that that game at Penn state is a night game, I mean, it's the same same kickoff time as when Ohio state will be on the road at Notre Dame. So unfortunately won't be able to watch that. Maybe I'll, I'll flip over on, you know, if, if commercials and, you know, things line up. Um, but it's, you know, you and I both know that Iowa and Penn state, they've had some, some really good matches throughout the year, regardless of, you know, who's the home team, you know? So, you know, the fact that, yeah, you know, Iowa state that, you, you have to kind of ignore the, you know, the, the records. I know it's, mm-hmm. it's just game two, but Iowa is, it's not beyond the realm of possibility considering the, the defensive talent that is usually year in year out that I'm not saying, you know, sight unseen right now that, you know, it's not beyond the realm of possibility for, for Iowa to go on the road and pull off the upset at Penn state in September. Yeah, it's not certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but I, I certainly think that the East is a lot more stacked than the West, so it's going to be oh, certainly. Um, I and yeah, like you said, I, I think the Iowa game at Wisconsin really determines who wins the West. But we'll, of course, we'll have to see how it plays out because you and I have been super wrong before. Watch Northwestern go just completely, you know, like you said, you know, like you know, like us against the world mentality and. You know, David Braun is the the savior that the the <laughs> Northwestern Wildcats never knew that they needed. Well, I would. Uh, stranger things have happened, but not that. They have not that. that, many that things. I I agree. I'm just saying it's like, you know, it's the kind of thing where, yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to the elimination of divisions starting next year, uh, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how these teams do um, in the, in the expanded big 10, but just overall, because let's face it, you know, the, you know, like with all sincerity towards 
Northwestern, um, Cords, Purdue, you know, who won the Big Ten West last year, um, they were able to win the games against their division rivals when they needed to, which allowed them to get into the Big Ten West championship. That's going away. So it's going to be interesting to see how some of these other teams do. Like, I think Wisconsin eventually will be fine. Iowa, um, you know, Minnesota, I think that they'll always be competitive. But I'm just kind of curious as to, like, that next rung of teams, how they'll do when USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington all enter the mix as well. It will be interesting, but that's a problem for down the line. Yep. Uh, for now, we've we've done what we set out to do, which is to make our predictions to see uh, how we felt like the West would go. So we uh, we agreed all the way down the line, which would probably be pretty boring because nobody gets well, to win. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it definitely, like I said, you know, you you surprised me with well, I really thought for sure that we were going to diverge at you know, like for Iowa and Wisconsin, uh, like I said, it was a pleasant surprise. My biggest question mark was whether or not I should put Illinois above Minnesota for me. That was that, that was I can, I can respect that too. I mean, I think it, it's definitely going to be, um, you know, Bielema did well last year. Can he sustain? Because again, you know, he took advantage of a lot of those six year seniors, um, he lost talent, you know, like Devon Witherspoon was the number five overall pick in this in this NFL draft. Uh, you know, so like the fact that they lost talent off that defense, they lost their defensive coordinator. I know that they have confidence in the players that are there. Um, it just remains to be seen, you know, like, okay, can they sustain kind of what they have started to build? Yeah, they laid a couple of eggs or they would have been right there for that Big Ten West last year. They they played Michigan extremely tough. I mean, I remember watching that game, thinking like Illinois. There were there were times that like Illinois, I thought outplayed Michigan. Now you know, give credit to the Wolverines. They they won on the road against a very physical team. But you're right. I think you know when Illinois eventually when they start looking back down the road years from now, they'll be man like we had a golden opportunity to win our division in 2022. They sure did. All right. Well. Next week, Chip, we will be back to make our predictions for the Big Ten East. And uh, then the week after that, we're going to be getting ready for the first game of the season, Ohio State playing Indiana. Slow it down. I'm telling you, it'll blink before you know it. And next thing you know, we'll be, you know, lamenting how fast the season goes. So try and slow it down. Before we get out of here, Chip, tell people where they can find you on the Internet. I can be found on Land Grant Holy Land, um, writing a column that appears every Friday around 12 p.m. Eastern. Um, I have been writing a series of articles reviewing the 2020 Ohio State recruiting class. Uh, the parts one and two have already dropped. Uh, part one focused on departures. The second one was on the contributors. This coming week will be on the players who emerged as starters from the 2020 recruiting class. And I can be found on Twitter at Chip Minnick. Last name is spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. All right. Uh, and I think, I may be wrong, but I think that all of our lunchtime uh, articles are going to come out earlier this season, like 11 o'clock, so that people can read them on their lunch hour. I okay. Is, I believe is what uh, was uh, was said in our pregame or our preseason uh, email from our illustrious leader. Uh, my columns can be found on landgrantholyland.com every monday and that should be just about lunchtime when you get those and uh, of course this is the player to watch month we are spotlighting a player every single day that people should keep their eyes on and this week uh, if you go back and look at mine from monday it will be denzel burke and i've previously uh, written about jack sawyer so um you can go back and find that one as well. But uh, every every day this month, we're going to have a spotlight on a different Ohio State player. So players to watch is uh, is uh, something you should you should be on the watch for uh, because those are those are a lot of fun. And uh, you know, it seems kind of it seems kind of funny to have you know thirty players, thirty one players to watch. But uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have thirty one players that you should keep an eye out for. Well, I, I, again, you know, it's like I'm going to be without 
ruining my the rest of my article one of the the players to watch will be listed in this upcoming week so mm-hmm. keep your eyes and ears open for that all right you can also find me on twitter at mike 36 fan you can follow silver bullets podcast on twitter as well i refuse it to, refuse to call it by that stupid letter uh <laughs> i don't care what the billionaire owner of the thing calls it but it's twitter to me and uh, you can follow Silver Bullets Pod. That's S I L V R Bullets Pod. No E in silver. So at S I L V R Bullets Pod on Twitter. And uh, if you want, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Ask us a question. We'll answer it on the show. Uh, we'd be happy to do that. You can email us at silverbulletspod at gmail.com. And you do get to use the E in silver for the email address. I know it's confusing, but. If Twitter would just give us one more stupid character in our name, uh, it would be the same. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, read our stuff at Land Grant Holy Land and uh, check out all the other shows on Land Grant. There's a lot of good ones, especially if you uh, keep up with recruiting. That's not really our forte, but there's certainly a show for you there. So go check out all the rest of those. We will be back next week. Oh, my goodness. We are in our weekly schedule. So here we are. The season is is imminent. And uh, we will see you next week. So the only thing left for us to do, Chip, is what we always do at the end. And that is to say, go Bucks. Go Bucks.